Hello everyone, welcome to the Desolation Sounds podcast. My name is Stephen Hook and this is a podcast celebrating everything to do within the world of alternative music, be that rock, punk, metal or extreme metal. There's a lot through, a lot to get through I should say for this week as I missed last week. I had the chance to see Endgame early and by fucking golly did I take that chance. It's really good, go watch it if you already. So we've got to catch up on two weeks worth of news which news wise... A lot of quick-fire stuff, but there's loads of new music to come from today. So, news comes in the form of Kill Switch Gage, Issues, Airborne. There's also a new band in the ether. Uh, new music. You ready? Spanish Love Song, Sabaton, Rammstein, Dark Throne, Kind of Death Clock with Serge Tankian, and Employed to Serve just before hit recall. There's a child screaming outside for some reason. Still a child. Okay. And also new albums from or new album announcements from Bloodstained Child and Thy Art is Murder. In terms of album reviews for this week, we've got Devon Townsend, When I Say Jump, and Venom Prism. And there's not one but two open mic nights for this week to make up for last week. Also, there's a new anniversary. We've got Destroy It, Erase, and Prove by Meshuggah and Grey Britain by Gallows, celebrating its 10th birthday on May the 2nd. But as with everything else, we start with the news. Like I said, a lot of quickfire stuff. Uh, Kill Switch Engaged will have a new album out in autumn. There's very little information to go alongside that, but just know, for Americans, fall is when we're looking at getting a new um, KSE album. Uh, I missed last. What was it? Incarcerate? Um, excuse me. For a reason, I just com- did not even look at it twice. Or once, even. It just... Flew straight by me. It's something that I'll have to look back on beforehand because it's a very, from what I've heard, it's a very Marmite album. People even say it's like the worst thing they've done with Jesse. It's still okay. It's still good, but, you know, it's better than their 2009 self-titled, but it's just not as good as the album that came before, whose name escapes me. But it's not, I've always had some people say it's a hugely underrated gem. So I'm going to try and look at that before the new album comes out in autumn. <coughs> Excuse me. Issues, the R&B-influenced metalcore act, or new metalcore act, uh, they have a new song coming out. They, well, they've announced it. They haven't actually released it, which is pet peeve of mine, but never mind. It is called Tapping Out, and it's coming out the 3rd of May. And it's going to be their first song without Michael Bond, who is Michael Bond? Bone? We'll, call, we'll stick with Bond. Uh, yeah, he left the band halfway through last year, was I think. And they haven't replaced them. They've just gone with Tyler Carter, sticking on cleans, and I think the bassist has taken on Harsh. Um, probably should look that up. But yeah, they've got a new a new song coming out, which will probably inevitably be album number three. Very looking forward to that. I like issues. Wasn't too keen on the second album, but the debut self-titled and the Diamond Days EP both both a lot of fun. Uh, lastly, Airborne have completed work on album number five. The only way I saw this was because of a picture the band posted on social media. The biggest bit of news, or in terms of news with actual depth, is there's a new band on the horizon. It is called, really hope I pronounce this pro- properly, Serpent of Gnosis? I want to say it's a silent G. G-N-O-S-I-S. It is a grindcore death metal supergroup uh, comprised of Job for a Cowboy vocalist Johnny Davy and or Johnny Davy and guitarist Alan Glassman and Tony Sanacandro. 
Um, they've all teamed up with Black Darling Marada bassist Max Lavelle and Deeds of Flesh drummer Darren Seska? Cheska? Sure. Um, yeah, the band's called Serpent of Gnosis or Gnosis. Uh, the debut album is going to be called As I Drink from the Infinite Well of Inebriation. It's going to come out June the 14th. And they have a new song. Well, they have an opening song already. It's called The Colorless Capsules. And it is a heavy slab of heavy, if you want. I kind of think about it if Black Dahlia Murder were asked to write a song for Napalm Death. It's very crisp production, which is what I like in extreme music. Um, but it is blisteringly fast and very very brutal so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep my ear on that one because the opening song is short but i think it's only like about two minutes long but it's a lot of fun i if you're into that kind of thing definitely check it out also if you're a fan of oh, what was that mitch harris oh born to destroy the world something like that that was a lot of fun too uh yeah crossover here words and such new music Cool, let's start from I think like the start of that two weeks ago. Spanish Love Songs have a new song, it's called Losers, and first of all, it's the song itself is fucking brilliant. I've just watched the music video all the way through, and it's brutally hilarious. Um, but it coincides with the announcement that they have signed to Pure, Pure Noise Records. Uh, that means they're going to be rubbing shoulders with the likes of Four Year Strong, State Champ, Stick to Your Guns, uh, You're the Knife, Less Than Jake, Knocked Loose, and Boston Manor. So it's a really good opportunity and really good announcement for the band. Schmaltz that came out last year was fucking incredible. Um, don't think it made my top 20 last year, but I've gone back to the album a lot since. And I think I was a fool. I was definitely a fool. That album fucking slams. New song does too. It is more of the same, very emo y, or very, I was going to say emo influenced pop punk. I think it's the other way around. It's very like pop punky and alt rock influenced emo. It's a lot of fun if you like that kind of thing. And it's usually horrifically depressing at the same time, which is what you want from emo. Sabaton are next. They've got a new song called Bismarck. It has got nothing to do with the new album that's coming out, The Great War. Uh, it is a digital, sorry, it's a digital single sponsored by World of Warships, the online video game and it's so sabaton because it's the usual assortment of like very powerful beardy power metal but it's on a boat it was on a ship battleship shooting things fire explosions you know the governs it is it's a lot of fun it's you know it's a what you exactly what you expect from a new sabaton song i took a tea break i'm allowed Next up, we've got Rammstein. They've got a new song out called Radio, and it is fucking great. Uh, the album that's associated with it has not got an official announcement regarding the name. A lot of people are considering it's either going to be untitled or self-titled. That weird, like, in-between limbo. I'm just trying to... Oh, there's another... Korn did it a few years ago, I think, with album number... What ended up becoming Korn 2. So that kind of thing. It's not got a name, so therefore it has a name sort of thing. Comparing to Deutschland, it's more dance heavy, kind of reminds me more of uh, Duhast. It's got a very crunchy, simple riff, riff with a like little electronic lick every now and again. <clears throat> excuse me. And excuse, uh, hugely infectious chorus in it. Um, it got, st I w listened to it before 
my shift yesterday and oh boy did it get stuck in there all day it's a lot of fun i really enjoy i realized as well that i completely missed commenting on deutschland i love that song deutschland um i think it gives um that richard kishk the lead guitarist had got a chance to have him flex his muscles a bit in Rammstein, which for my admittedly mildly limited knowledge of uh, Rammstein, he doesn't get to do a lot because of the, the sound they do. It's very like crunchy. It's very riff orientated, but he got to do some like widdly diddly stuff. So I really liked it. I really enjoy radio, radio, whatever. And the music video, again, is suitably bonkers because it's Rammstein. And Till... Oh my god, Till just looks better and better with every album. He is a huge, stocky bloke, but the ah, oh, just a, just it's not a comb over because I'd be doing just injustice. The like swept cross, wet look with him looking like a brick shit house that could eat you. The like triple or quadruple eye piercing. Ah, oh, if I look anything like that when I'm older, I'll be mildly satisfied. Um, Dark Throne the. Seminal black metal turned cross punk, turned trad metal, turned blackened crust, turned now heavy metal again. Stalwards, they have a new song and album out. The song is called The Hard Trip of the Scots and the album's going to be called Old Star. That's going to come out the 31st of May. They, in a lot of the write-up with the album, they said they want to go back to an 80s vibe and 80s guitar playing sort of thing with it which is fair enough but when i listened to the song the hardship of the scots i kind of thought it was more 70s doomy metal kind of thing more black sabbath than maiden or i don't know priest came before but you know that kind of traditional uh new wave british heavy metal thing which is my immediate go-to when i think of 70s um 80s metal I enjoyed it. Like I said, it's it's about six, seven minutes long, and it's just it's a very riff heavy song. I've had a look at Dark Throne stuff before, and yeah, I think I looked at is it Relentless um, Resistance Underground, something like that. And yeah, it's very, very crunchy punk rock sort of stuff. Then, and the album that came afterwards, which I've completely forgotten. Um, was more the same, although it did hark back more to like a trad metal sort of thing. This is very much doomy, slow paced, very thick sounding guitarist, and it's it's really good if you if you dig that kind of thing. And like I said, Old Star, the new album's going to come out thirty first of May. Death Clock in everything but name, so it will be Brendan Small, Gene Hoagland, and Brian Bella have teamed up with Serge Tankian to record the song Godzilla. It is a Blue Oyster Cult cover and it is going to be part of the Godzilla King of the Monsters movie soundtrack. And if I remember correctly, the soundtrack's coming out 24th of May. The film itself will be coming out a week later. January, March, April, May. The 31st. I have to do that knuckle count thing. Um, I think it's so... It is so good to hear Serge on a heavy song again. Um, with all this talk about will they, won't they with System. And I will be the first to say I thought at some point last year we were finally going to get a new System album. The way pretty much everyone apart from Serge said they were up for it. They were 
I think John was saying that he'd seen Darren and they were exchanging things, exchanging some things, and they all keep in good contact with Shavo as well, who also like has written a few bits. Um, whatever tension there was between Serge and Darren looked like it was patched up, but he's come out and said no. Darren went back to Scars on Broadway. I'm not 100% sure what Shavo and John are doing at the moment. I think John was um, kickstarting a solo album last time I heard. I'm pretty sure I pledged to that, and I don't think anything ever happened to it, so I should probably look that up later. But no, it's a great song. It's a classic song, and I think they do a very good job, which is... You know, pretty difficult to do when it comes to cover songs. A lot of people get it fucking wrong. Not these guys, though. Not these. Brendan, Gene, Ryan, Serge. It's all good. And the last song which I heard just before, well, early this morning, employed to surf have a new song out called Eternal Forward. Da- Eternal Forward Motion. I was going to say Damnation then. Um, it's come from the album of the same name, which is coming out the 10th of May, so not long now. And it is fucking great. Holy fuck. Um. It is a brutal, angry, hardcore song. Um, and it's got a massively anthemic chorus to bring it all together. And yeah, I think it's great. I know the debut album, this was something about being grey. Grey than you remember. I got bits and pieces of that album and I thought, hey, this could be really, really fun. The Warmth of a Dying Sun came out and it sort of like blew the lid off everyone and it is still a really fun album and I can't wait for Eternal Forward Damnation. I think a lot of people forget about Greater Than You Remember so they kind of don't realise that this is going to be album number three which for, I don't know if it's the same for like pop and punk and like beyond electronic music but obviously for heavy music when it comes to the third album that is the big one so yeah i'll be i'll be very intrigued and i yeah, it's it's gonna be on here so i had a weird message but yeah employed to serve kind of death clock with search and Kian, dark throne ramstein sabaton smashed off song they've all got new music out as do new album announcements from first of all bloodstained child they are a japanese trance melodic death band they were one of the first like weird bands i ever got into from the epsilon album and yeah i think they started up being a children of bottom cover band and slowly they've incorporated more of like a, a and when i say trans it is very much the case of the you know the electronical phase that came out early 2000 it's that but on the back of like very blistering heavy metal melodic death metal and it wasn't epsilon it was mosaic was the album that i really got into and then epsilon came afterwards epsilon wasn't as good i really enjoyed the vocal the clean vocalist on mosaic a gentleman called sadu which he left pretty much straight after the album and they've had three different vocalist sense uh sophia was on epsilon and i wasn't like i said i wasn't a big fan of the album and they've released a bunch of 
EPs and singles since with various different vocalists. He had Kiki and Saika. Um, and now Sadhu has rejoined the band. I'm not 100% sure who will be like the lead vocal on the new album. Oh, new album, by the way, is called Emeteras. Amateras? It's a weird name. And yeah, that's coming out. Uh, oh no, it will be Sadhu. They released an album last year. What the fuck am I saying? Amateras was coming out the 3rd of July. And it will have Sadhu, which is the vocalist I really like. And as far as I'm aware, there is no music to come alongside it. So I can't even say whether or not it's going to be good. They are... They've had quite a revolving lineup over the past... Well, ever since I've been aware of them. They knocked... Rio, which is like, I think he is the band leader, off of vocals to have Sadhu in, and then obviously Sophia, Kika, Kiki, and Saika. And they've had, I think he's since left the band. I think the only one who's there from the beginning is Ryu, because you've got Rio and Ryu to not make things any more difficult than they are, you have to be. Um, and yeah, it's made a very difficult listen at times. I remember getting the, was the last Stardust EP. About well, fucking hell, five years ago. Oh god. And it wasn't great. I won't lie, it was not great. But I am very excited. I didn't even realize it was an album last year called The Legend. Might look for that. But Amateras, or however you pronounce it, coming out third of July. It should be interesting and one that I think more people will know about. Thy Art is Murder are back. This will be album fuck number four, I think. Four or five. It's called Human Target. It really didn't agree with the original vocalist from Cannibal Corpse, but what does he know? It's coming out to uh, 26th of July. They've already got a song out of the same name, Human Target, and it is a blistering attack of Deathcore, which these days, Deathcore is a very dirty word to describe music. And it's incredible that a band, no matter who it is, in this case, Die Art, it's incredible that they've been able to take this very usually dirty and not fondly thought of brand of music and turn it into something that is revered and they are like the go-to people now. I think they've caught, like took that mantle from Suicide Silence and when you when a new upcoming band gets that Deathcore label, inevitably they were get, the comparison is going to be how does it compare to thy art could it like share the stage or support or whatever they are the benchmark now so the human like song human target is brutal as fucks go check it out if you want if that's kind of your thing but yeah thy art is murder bloodstained child new albums coming out in july should be lots of fun tea break so as I said before, there's going to be two open mic nights for this week. Um, I'm going to do one now, and reviews from this week, and then one later, because I get to talk about gallows later, and it's my favourite thing. So, we're going to start off with Meshuggah, and we're going to start with their second album. It was called Destroy, Erase, Improve. It came out all the way back in 1995, when I wasn't even a year old. I was a wee baba. Um, they play, if you are somehow unfamiliar with Meshuggah, they play a extreme progressive metal style of music. 
which inevitably or would later on create a brand of music called Gent. And if you are anywhere familiar with alternative music, you will know exactly what Gent is, kind of. You will know of the scene, you will know of bands like Periphery, Veal of Maya, Tesseract, Born of Osiris, kind of, etc, etc. Um, so this Destroy Your Race Improved would be the first album to have Morten Hagstrom brought into the fold. He took up uh, rhythm guitar roles. And as someone who first heard about this kind of music from the ensuing gent movement, um, like I said before, Periphery, Tesseract, Animals as Leaders, Chimps Banner, that kind of thing. I thought that this would be a really interesting way to find out where that all started. Because obviously, in between Meshuggah and Sixth, these are the like the precursor for that movement. And I thought, yeah, it'd be really interesting to find out, like knowing what I know now and trying to work backwards, I guess. Um, having said that, my initial thought from listening to Destroyer and Improve is that I don't know of a band throughout the Gent Hemisphere that sounds anything like this iteration of Meshuggah. Like, the f- my first Meshuggah album that I properly looked into was Coloss in 2012. And with that album, I can definitely hear where a lot of people take influence from because it does have a very similar gent style makeup. But in terms of this kind, this era, Meshuggah, the band that began with V that I can never pronounce, Villagata, I believe they're called, that may be the closest, but I only discovered them like after writing the review. But I think this kind of techie almost death metal kind of thing is like incomparable with nearly a hundred percent of the gent bands that i'm remotely aware of um the off kilter what is going to happen next style riffing that is quite common it is here um, it's in there in abundance, straight from the off. Um, the opening song, Future Breed Machine, has about six different riffs before the chorus kicks in. Um, but the one thing that I found was that the riffs on here just roll one after another. There's no like transition lick. There's very few like stop-start breaks. Um, it is just riff after riff after riff after riff. They don't stop coming and they don't stop coming. Um, and it just helps the flows and songs. Like the old album as a whole can be quite difficult because of the erratic time signature changes, and it's almost math call in that regard. But take each song separately as an individual item of music, and the court riff progressions feel almost natural because of the way um, Frederick Thordendal just like can seamlessly transition from one to the other to the other, and. I see a lot of reviews refer to Thornton Dahl's guitar playing. It's really easy to see why. They like double tap riffs that he's got throughout the album. Um, and they play off Thomas Hark's drums and Peter Norden's bass line so well. And the tone in between everything just sits in a limbo that is beyond heavy metal of the time. You think this was 1995. This was just 
It was in the middle of grunge. It was just before new metal. It was like, let's face it, apart outside of things like Pantera and not much else. Uh, maybe maybe Machine Head. I can't think when Burn My Eyes came out, but as a whole. 90s metal was kind of an on its ass. Um but it was like the tone that Thornandale had it was beyond the metal of the time and it's still not a, very much like what we hear today. It was a very unique like style, a very unique um I guess interpretation no interpretation is a shit word. I just say it's a, it's a unique version of heavy metal compared to what was around then and what is still around now because I can't think of a better word to think of. Um, and as weird as it is for me to say, for a, a album like this by a band like this, my favorite parts in this album is the simplicity. So many gent bands today have like treacle thick production jobs, and like I will be the first to say I love high-end production albums but it is to excessive amounts on a lot of um gent bands these days they have so much going on in the backgrounds they have samples they have guitar and vocal effects they've got a sex excessive layering whereas this is so to the bone that at this stage of mishuka's career i would not label them part of that gent genre yet for me, this is more of an avant-garde, progressive death metal record. The most traditional gent song off the album would probably be the closing track, Sublevels. It is very slow, ambience-driven. It has, sorry, a very slow, ambience-backed riff. Um, it's a very mood-heavy kind of song. But for the rest of the album, it is... When they want to do the, like, spooky noises in the background, they give it its own separate track called Asphyxia. Asridge or Acrid, Asridge or Cook with um, Placidity, track six, fuck you. Um, it just wants to be a metal record, which is what, you know, it is. Um, for me, it's kind of a weird one because this is not the sort of music I go for, hence why I can't talk. Um, but I do think anyone who's got even like the most fleeting interest in heavy music, especially modern heavy music, they should go and they should listen to this because it inspired an entire generation of musicians and artists. Um, both, you know, it was an accident, accidentally inspired them what ended up becoming Gent. But even though it expired Gent, Destroyer Race Improved is still quite, it's, well, still very different and very unique compared to what it has spawned. Um, since the album came out, Meshuggah have largely stayed with the lineup. Uh, Jens Kidman on vocals. Uh, Frederick Thornandal is the iconic guitarist on leads. Like I said, Martin Hickstrom, who joined for this album, he's still around. He, well, he's, still, he's still kicking, he's still lovely. And Thomas Hark was the drummer, still is. Uh, the only thing that Meshuggah have a problem doing is keeping hold of a bassist. I think they've been doing a pretty good job now, but at the time... Uh, the basis for the album, Peter Norden, would leave the band shortly afterwards, citing medical reasons. His replacement, Gustav Heilm, 
Uh, he initially joined as a session member and would eventually stay with Mashuka until 2001. He left for undisclosed reasons. Excuse me, he has since, um, well, he currently plays in a psychobilly band called Badge, a melodic death metal outfit called Non-Human Level, and has recently joined a prog rock band Pain of Salvation. A permanent bassist was eventually found to replace Haim in 2004 in the shape of former Cromlech and Armageddon bassist Dick Lovgren, who is still part of the band. Uh, for the fans off part, I haven't put anyone purely because, like I keep saying, this is a very unique sounding record. As much as it did inspire a complete um, wave of music, I think it stands alone compared to any of those guys. So, if you just like angry, aggressive, progressive music, you won't do much worse than Destroy, Erase, Improve, the second album from 1995 by Umea Sweden. I forgot the word. Natives. There we go. Meshuggah. Okay. Quick tea break before we get on to the album reviews. Well, first, a lot of album reviews for the week. Or Fortnite, whatever you want to call this. Right. Devon Townsend. The album is called Empath. It is the 18th album if you can believe it from everyone's favorite canadian native and he just uh, the easiest thing i can say is he plays progressive metal music he plays every kind of progressive metal music but just it's easier just to say progressive metal um i feel like with heavy devi once you hear a the first song from any devon townsend project you can usually predict what the rest of the album is going to sound like. Um, if you hear like a dark, spooky country kind of song, you, there's a pretty good chance it's going to come from Casualties of Cool. If it's very blues influence prog metal, um, it's key. A new wave backed prog metal where it's very um, dramatic and synthy, good chance it's going to be Epicloud. Or if you want uber complex death metal, it's probably going to be either Strapping Young Lad or maybe even Deconstruction. Um, and the beauty of Townsend and what makes him such a good musician is that while you may have some idea about what you're about to listen to and what's about to happen, he is that good and that intelligent enough that he's still going to keep you on your toes and still going to keep you guessing the entire way through. Um, until now... Where with Empath, Empath, sorry, the lead singer was called Genesis. And as great as that song was, and trust me, I fucking adore that song. Um, the chorus on it, I know I always got bang on about choruses, but the choruses are fucking huge. Just the song itself is the greatest hits of pretty much everything he's ever done, ever. Um... But it doesn't quite prepare you for the whole album Empath. For me, because of how all over the place Genesis was and how it did mix a lot of kinds of different music, for me, I thought Empath was going to sit somewhere between Deconstruction and Epicloud, which would make it the huge dramatic sounding side of Epicloud with the ingression and pace of Deconstruction. It hasn't quite sat like that. It 
feels more like he's doing a greatest hits of his entire Devon Townsend project era. Evermore has the crunchy blues guitar that reminds me of the song Gatto from the second or third album Key. I think it was second actually, yeah, because he did it in two parts. He did Addicted and Key and then Ghost and Deconstruction. Um, Spiritual Collide sounds like it was taken straight out of Transcendence. Hear Me almost goes full strapping young lad at times. It is a very indulgent album and it has every right to be. This is Devin fucking Townsend. He has done every kind of music that there is to do. He's done blues. He's done country. He's done death metal. He's done grindcore. He's done punk rock. He was in the Comeback Kid record last year. Um, what else has he done? He's done ambient. I'm pretty sure he's done classical as well. He's just... Ah, to spend 10 minutes in his head would be weird. But fun. But mostly weird. Um, and this, but it's still, like I said, it's a very indulgent album, and it still has those moments of surprise, and it just feels like a lot of time. Down Townsend is having a lot of fun. Like it's got um, a song like Why, for example, it's this huge waltzing number, and it's maybe really want Devin to make a so a soundtrack for a kids film because I think it would be fucking incredible. It might get kids back on good music. Please, Devin. It's a. It all culminates as well with this huge 23 minute long opus um, called Singularity. And it just combines everything I've just said into one absolute whirlwind of a song. Um, as much as I enjoyed it, it, it was hard. It was difficult to settle into this album. It is good, and there are like songs like Evermore and Genesis and Spiritual Collide. They are really good songs but with the similar to what i was saying about the Sugar album i think maybe doing Sugar and devon townsend on the same like they were both prepped for last week until um i got a chance to watch endgame it is like maybe that was a mistake but because of all the, the changing patterns styles ideas pacing etc basically just devon being devon it's really really hard to keep up with it all um it's, I see it as an album that I'll come back to in chunks or listen to songs at a time instead of like the entire piece. It is a hugely insightful piece of music by a very intelligent musician. Um, it's hard to say for fans off sort of thing because it's just hard to grasp one thing that he sounds like. Like I said, he covers quite a lot. So if you like any kind of music that goes anywhere near the realms of progressive, there's a good chance that no one will do it better than Heavy Devi. And he's probably got an album that sounds better than the progressive album that you like. So that was album number 18. It is his first solo album since Dark Matters, but since that was part of the Z2 double album, it is his first completely solo solo album since 2007's Ziltor the Omniscient which is just insane um, album number 18 the progressive metal master Devin Townsend and the album like I said is called Empath and now on to something completely fucking different when I say jump 
The album is called Separation Anxiety. It is their debut album. They are from Columbia, South Carolina, and they play a style of post-hardcore that is very, very 2000s. A few weeks ago, I reviewed the split by Ray and Chasing South. And in it, I spoke a little bit about how it reminded me of like the emo post-hardcore movement, or the post-hardcore sound, sorry, from the mid-2000s. And I feel like we are, a, we may be about to get a revival because there's, there's more bands doing this sort of thing. Like Ones I'm not reviewing that I've just heard like bits and pieces of. Like, 2000s post-hardcore might be coming back. And this definitely sounds like it's part of that ilk. Like, this is so 2000-sounding that it can still afford to buy a house. Like, even the song titles pay homage to, like, the over-elaborate song titles from the likes of, like, Four Year Strong and Panic! at the Disco from back in the day. You've got songs like... uh, the, gun, the gun's just a conversation piece, and I've been skipping the bus, but this day pass is burning a hole in my pocket. Fucking ludicrous kind of shit. Musically, I hear a lot of the used in this. Um, Bert, lead singer from the used, he's got a very warbly kind of voice. that always sound like it's about to break or crack, but he still keeps it on note and does a great job at that. And I think this does... A similar kind of thing. The vocal trade-off between John Davis and Brennan Monk. They both, although they both scream, I think it's just John that sticks to the cleans. And yeah, it's that similar kind of realm where it always sounds like he's about to like voice crack. But he keeps it on point and keeps it on note for the duration that he needs to. Um, it's true to form and being emo as fuck. The opening line of the album is, it's 6am, I'm lying on the floor. Sorry, it's 6am and I'm lying on my carpeted floor wondering if ever, if I'll ever have a connection with anyone. If you don't bastardize that and read it properly, that's a very emo kind of lyric. Um, and views from the Skillthorn is a poetry, spoken word-led slow burner that pushes a very nihilistic view of pretty much everything it's oh, i've read the lyrics let's see if i can find the lyrics again there we go after every self-inflicted laceration of my heel i remember the good times and how they seem so far away jesus christ lads honestly the favorite but like the best parts of this album for me is when it strays almost into a party hardcore kind of thing um the Gun is Just a Conversation piece has one of my favourite solos of any style of music at the moment. Um, it's a similar case in Dishonest Love. It is the realms of when I say party hardcore, the likes of Every Time I Die, Cancer Bats and Wilson when they were still a hardcore act and not that fucking tripe shit they released last year. I actually really enjoy this. As someone who like largely missed the 2000 post hardcore emo boom. I've like I only got into those bands from that era a few years, excuse me, a few years after so things like um or bands like The Used, Alexis on Fire and Census Fail, I got through Kerrang, Scuzz, video game soundtracks, that kind of thing. So in between the Ray and Chasing South uh split and this, it's a great little walk down someone else's memory lane. There's a lot of interesting ideas in here, and the dueling vocalists as well. I think they can make 
something very very interesting for album number two like that dual wielding emo hardcore kind of thing it worked for alexis on fire so i can't see why it can't work for these guys for fans off i keep going on about them but if you like the used definitely go for uh when i say jump uh silver scene as well and also i got a little bit of kyodos in there just like take away all the like synthy sort of shit uh but yeah i thought it was a lot of fun i think you will enjoy it too if you like any of those bands i said before the album's called Separation Anxiety. The band are called When I Say Jump. And yeah, debut album. Go and check it out. Last of the new shit from this week. It is album number two from the South Wales death metal behemoth Venom Prison. The album's called Samsara. Uh, following the release of Animus, which obviously happened number one. There were a lot of people talking about how good Venom Prison were. They were a fresh new talent. They were toted as the next big thing, as well as touted for a lot of mainstream attention, at which point all died in the wool. Um, metal fans collectively turned around and said, wait, what? Because a lot of the time, whenever a major metal newcomer breaks through and starts getting that mainstream connection and... You know, a lot of mainstream press say, hey, have you seen these guys? They're pretty neat. There is a sense of inevitability that the core sound is going to go as well. For examples, look at bands like In Flames, Metallica, uh, Bring Me the Horizon, Mastodon. They all had a very... against the ethos brand of music and they've slowly like geared it more towards i think like lesser point master i think they've just evolved for what they want but bring me horizon are a pop band now metallica went through all of the 90s in flames are in flames you know getting that mainstream attention does water down a sound quite a bit um thankfully the opening larynx uh yeah. larynx crusher uh metrifugy I had to Google how to pronounce that. Uh, it squashes all these preconceived notions that people may have had. It is just as fast, it is just as heavy, and it is just as brutal as people were hoping for for the follow-up of Animus. In fact, I would say maybe even heavier because there are moments on this album, it's specifically metrifugy, sadistic rituals, and implementing the meta metaphysics of mortals. I fucking knew I wasn't going to get that right first time. Uh, a lot of black metal in there. A lot of um, tremolo, blast beats, all that McGubbins. Holy shit, this album's fun. This album is very, very good. Um, the halfway break of Divi's Enemy gives you a chance to throw a breather and you are going to need it because the breakdown in the song afterwards, Asura's Realm, is fucking great. It will just flatten you. It will murder you. It will piss on you. And it won't give a shit what you care or think about. Um, I have listened to Animus. But in no way did it hit me the same way that it hit everyone else. Like I was saying before. As soon as it came out. Everyone was saying that this is the biggest thing since fucking the last biggest thing. Um, and while I could appreciate why it was hitting people. It just wouldn't click for me. And the first few listens, listens, listens of Samsara, um, I get started getting the same thing. It, it was just 
like some noise. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, it's just some death metal, whoop de doo. Even with the um, incredible production production job, it's just not really doing anything. And I was getting worried that it would be like Venom Prism as a whole would just be an, a band that I just wouldn't get. And it took me to like the fourth or fifth listen. Um, I was at the gym, and then the song it looped back around and track two, Megillus and Leena. That came on, trundled through, and then I just sat and stopped for a minute and listened to the section of bla- um, just before the section of blast meet. Sorry, around the two minute mark, there's a thrash section which has got this really incredible chord progression riff, and that that's where it all snapped for me. That's where it finally clicked. Like Thanos had got nothing on this style click it was the moment where all the layers all the different parts of this album that everyone else be going on about for venom prison since animus it finally set in and i was so fucking happy makes me want to go back to animus and give that another go now um the from the brutality and the versatility of orissa the snap neck riffs from ash and ben the gunfire drums from jay that hammer-like bass from Mike, I've really heard it in track nine, Duca, Ducker, Duca, Duca. Um, it just sounds like it's, it's, it doesn't even sound like you're using a bass. It sounds like you're using an old-fashioned like grand bell to like pull a song to pull a album along. It took such a while, but I have finally come around to really enjoy this album. It is. Every like cliche word to describe a death metal album, it is crushing. It is brutal. It will like it will not be for everyone. Extreme metal is not meant to be for everyone. But if you like this core thing, if you like Jesus Peace, Hate Eternal, Aborted, another triumph for I don't I know before the lead singer is Russian. I know, but. For UK metal, this is an absolute stormer. For death metal in general, this is an absolute triumph. The song, this album called the album is called Samsara. Too many S's. I'm very sorry. The band are Venom Prism. If you like death metal, if you like very, 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 very good death metal, go and listen to it because it's really good. Cool. Lost my rag a bit. We are on to the last album of this week. It is celebrating its 10th birthday on May the 2nd. It is one of my favourite albums ever. It is the second open mic night from... How Mike... The second open mic album for this week. It is the second album from the Watford Mob Gallows. It is called Great Britain. It came out in 2009. It is the sequel to the much-respected and very, very brilliant debut album, Orchestra of Wolves. And is the first to feature guitarist Steph Carter as an active member of the group. As well as the sole album to be released as part of the now infamous £1 million Warner Brothers contract. Um, that they signed, what was it, 2008, maybe? Tell in 2008. Start of 2009, one of them. <sighs> Similar to what I was saying before about Venom Prison, when in regards to that fear of a major label and mainstream attention, 
influencing a more poppy kind of sound. Uh, Frank Carl, the lead singer then of Gallows, get to that in a minute, he said in a January 2009 interview with Rock Sound that Great Britain would just be 49, music, 49 minutes of aggressive music. And boy, he weren't lying. It doesn't matter what kind of contract they would have been given from any kind of label. It's hard to imagine they would have done anything less than what got put out in front of us. Um, even with the introduction of Wade, the album, and the following album, and the more hard um, horror punk and post punk kind of influences that the band have incorporated into their sound in the last, um, what, the ten years since Great Britain. This is still by far their darkest and heaviest album in the Gallows back catalogue. To take all this money from a massive investment from Warner Brothers, all the money that they were throwing at them, and then like Warner Brothers just saying, make something markable, make something that we can, you know, we've got My Chemical Romance. They like dress in black and play music that girls like. Why don't you just go do some of that? To be told that. And then to make something like Great Britain, it is the most punk rock thing anyone could have ever done to make what is essentially anti-everything. It is the quintessential modern album for angry, heavy, even most remotely alternative kind of music. Uh, the scene gets set in this doomy and foreboding opener called The Riverbank. And that leads to the riff-heavy stormer of London is the Reason. And it gives the earliest indication that the standard of, standard of riffs on this album are a completely different level from Orchestra of Wolves. The first half of this album is a conveyor belt of angry, metallic hardcore from the uh, thrash metal thunderstorm at the tail end of Black Eyes from the You Have No Redeeming Features line from Leeches over that high-pitched uh, guitar wail in the background from Lags. The Black Flag style break in I Dread the Night. It is only until you get to the sombre acoustic ballad from the first half of The Vulture, um, Acts 1 and 2, where you can try and like regain yourself and sort of pick yourself up before it all kicks off again. And when it does, you've got the anti-Christian The Great Forgiver. Uh, Queensberry Rules sounds like it was inspired by 80s Iron Maiden, that iconic Misery Fucking Loves Me song from the song Misery, the penultimate track. It is an album that I cannot help but be impressed by because not only is it just great musically, it's dark, it's foreboding, it's brutal as fuck, but at the moment it is so painfully prevalent and you know, you can still see how it's still relevant in today's modern oh, fucking hell, today's modern society um the themes of national rebirth political failures knife crime humanity being its own four horsemen great britain acted as the spoiler for the next 10 fucking years it is by far one of my favorite albums of all time i feel that's pretty obvious at this point um it is an album that I regularly go back to. I regularly talk about it, much to my friend's chagrin. I imagine they're probably bored of me talking about it by now. Screw them. It is an incredible piece of music. It's also an important piece of music as well. Um, where 
America had American Idiot, which, as much as I love Green Day, is a very clean, fairly safe kind of album. Don't be wrong. In, term, in the grand scheme of things, it is quite, quite. Um, it took a lot of risk into like for Jesus of Arabia trying to make a nine-minute punk, progressive punk ballad, or full-on musical. It. They, America had American Idiot. We had this because we're a bunch of filthy fucking yobbos, and we're okay with that. Um, so you can imagine how fucking distraught I was when I initially found out that lead singer Frank Carter would leave the band in 2011. Uh, followed on from a difference of opinions regarding where Gala Sound should go next. And from there, he would go on to form Pure Love with the for- with former The Hope Conspiracy guitarist uh, Jim Carroll. He would inevitably be replaced by Alexis on Fire guitarist Wade McNeil less than a month later after Alexis on Fire announced that they would be like rounding down that same year. This lineup would record a singular album, which was self-titled, and it came out in September 2012 before guitarist and Frank's brother Steph left the band in 2013 to concentrate efforts on his new band Ghost Riders in the Sky with his wife Gillian. The band continues as a four piece with Wade on vocals, Lags Bernard on guitars, Stu Gilly Ross on bass and Lee Barrett on drums into album number four called Desolation Sounds. Does it sound familiar? Uh, That was released in 2015 and they've recently reformed after a, I hate the word, but a hiatus or an extended break after they would be announced as part of the 2019 Slam Dunk Festival lineup. I feel like I completely blitzed through that because if I, if I don't, if I go outside my notes, I will be here talking all day about how how much I adore this album, but I will probably be just saying the same thing over and over again until everyone just starts listening to the al- listen to the album. I feel like a similar sort of thing for a lot of the album club kind of things I put forward. I haven't done it for fans of part because if you are a fan of hardcore music and like you somehow haven't heard of gallows then i think you're doing something wrong quite personally personally it is a deep like lyrically it is deeply unsettling but as a and you know it's deeply unsettling because it's horrifically honest and the whole like i said both warner brothers basically want to make something alternative and marketable and then make something less like i said it is hugely punk as fuck and it makes me very happy when uh, That's Not Metal, which is a podcast that does everything I do a lot better. They tried to do like a podcast magazine sometime last year. And on, I think issue one, they had a long interview with the guitarist Lags Bernard. And it was an emotional roller coaster for an interview. Because he was saying how he doesn't know what Gallows is doing. He's got Crocodile and Gold Key now. Um, Stu's about to, well, at the time was about to move to the States. I think it's just very recently been confirmed that he's got the visa to move there on a permanent basis. Uh, Wade has now reactivated 
Alexa's on fire. He's also got Pagan Holiday on the side. Lee now has funeral shakes. He was very, very touch and go about whether or not Gallows would ever come back, which made me shit blood. Um, but the, to finish off the interview with Frank invited, I don't know if it was just Lags or the entire band or whatever, but um, at least Lags and Frank hang out for Thanksgiving a couple of years ago, and that warmed the cockles of my very, very sad, empty heart. So, yeah, I have nothing else to say. Great Britain. If if you like me. Go listen to this album, just so next time I see you, I've got something to talk to you about. But that will do for this mildly bumper, even though it's about the same length as every other episode I ever do, edition of the Desolation Sounds podcast. If you ever want to get in touch and ever want to tell me I'm an idiot, various social media platforms will allow you to do that. Facebook, Twitter, mildly YouTube, Instagram, you know the deal. Uh, next week I have completely forgotten what's coming but on the stroke of the month there's going to be something mildly interesting coming your way so keep an eye on super media, social medias for that and yeah as a quick run through of what happened what we had this week in terms of new albums we had Empath by Devin Townsend um, Separation, Anxiety, Separation Anxiety by When I Say Jump Samsara by Venom Prism and your two open mic albums were Destroy Race Improved by Meshuggah and Great Britain by Gallows. I shall see you all most likely next week providing Endgame doesn't have another sequel. Um, but that's pretty unlikely. So I'll see you next week. Bye.